I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor, and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 163. Here's a Boo Crew fright fact. In 1982's The Thing, in order to give the look of an icy Antarctic conditions, the inside sets in Los Angeles were refrigerated down to 40 degrees Fahrenheit, while it was 100 degrees outside. One of our favorite things in the whole world is when you go to Apple Podcasts and not only rate the show, but write us a review. We love that so much, and we will read your review at the top of the show. What do you got for us this week, Leo? We got one from someone who goes by PowerPunch90. Writes, horror fans are home here. Great podcast with interesting viewpoints and always learning about new movies. Rambles too much sometimes, but it's entertaining nonetheless. Keep up the good work. Rating... Four stars. <laughs> oh, man. Why do I feel like Four I'm in star- trouble? No, I feel like I deserve that. You deserve what? It's the intros. No. I think it's the intros. The no, ram- I told you guys no. it's the intros. No, it's not. The no guest way. introductions. Yeah. No, I think. No, no way. People <laughs> love gotta be. the guest introductions. What can we do, Power Punch 90, to earn that extra star? Do you like the karaoke? No. Some people like the karaoke. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'll do a little right. Save Yourself. No. Maybe right. I'll change up the song. Maybe uh, everyone likes Billie Eilish. Do you think that's going yeah. to save I, I don't know. Us? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but, but you know what? Power Punch did have some really nice things to say. Yes. Extremely yes. nice things yes. to say. And I'm all about constructive criticism. So whatever we can do, Power Punch 90, to help make things good, because we are all about... Making your experience better and a good customer experience. Yes. What? A good customer I'm serious. Experience. I want to earn that extra star. I want to earn that fifth star. I know. Right. I feel like I'm disappointing you guys. I feel like Why is we're it disappointing. you? Why are you taking the I think the it's blame? the introductions. No. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Maybe I think when we get on tangents about stuff, I like, don't know. Like this like right now. This, yeah, exactly. Maybe. <laughs> right. Sorry, we're hopeless. All right, Lauren, you got someone else for us. I and thank do. you, Power Punch. Seriously, it was really kind yes. of what you said. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Okay. And, and darn right, we should earn that last star. Yeah. Please let us know if we do. Yeah, well, let us know what we can do. Okay. Yeah. I've got a review from Salvatore. I couldn't review you guys on Spotify, so I figured I'd send one here in a DM. Sorry for the story. I've been in love with horror for a long time, but never geeked out as hard as I do listening to the passion and love you all have for the genre on the podcast. Not only have I been introduced to some absolutely amazing films, series, and movies I may not have watched without your input, but I've also been privy to these amazing places and wonderful directors, actors, set creature designers, etc. 
Because of this podcast, the chemistry between Lauren, Trevor, and Leo has me grinning and laughing to myself every episode, wishing I could even just be there to witness an interview in the wonderfully spooky Speakeasy studio. Definitely kicked me in the pants to get out of my shyness and try to get my cold Canadian behind (laughs) into gear and start acting again, dreaming of being in a Rob Zombie movie and to get a coveted introduction Uh from Trevor. (laughs) Once all this COVID stuff's done, I shall begin my journey. (laughs) Cheers to you, Boo Crew. Stay spooky. Stay wonderful. Five freaking stars. Wow, my goodness. I don't know if I can read the last part. Read the last part. Yes. Yes, Yes. I can't even save myself. Yeah. My God. Yeah. That was perfect. It ran away with the chorus. Wow. Yeah. That's magic. That was meant to be. You know what? Like, you know how you guys have bells? I need, like, a record scratch or, like, something to just... Oh, like, no. Okay. I think this is what he's talking about. Yeah, this is exactly what Power Punch 90 was talking about. Okay. Sorry, pal. We're not earning that fifth star right now, are we? We're going to do better next Okay, we're doing better. We're doing better. Okay. Okay, moving moving along. Thank you so much for taking the time to reach out, Salvatore. That was beautifully said, by the way. Yes, it really My was. My gosh. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, it was so nice. And I can't wait till you are sitting right here with us. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Yeah. So uh, I yeah. feel like, yeah, like someone who listens to us, might be you, are going to do something amazing and we're going to be here talking to you. And then you're going to say, I listen to your podcast and it's going to be really cool. That would be mind blowing. Salvatore, Salvatore, that is going to be you. That is going to be you. We will see you soon, my friend. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to reach out. Uh, It means the world to us. If you would like your review read at the top of the show, hit us up at Apple Podcasts. Search Boo Crew. Pretty easy. This time around, we are joined by makeup artist and storyteller Bailey Sarian. Yeah. I love Bailey. Uh, Her her murder mystery and makeup YouTube videos have turned her into an icon. She tells tales of true crime while doing makeup tutorials and has amassed millions of subscribers and views. She's got a newly released collab of nail polishes with loud lacquer out now. She's hanging out with you to talk about how she started her channel. Some of the most compelling and disturbing cases she's discussed, horror flicks, and so much more. Episode 163 starts now. The Boo Crew dusts a fright flick off the shelf for Ah! Horror Homework. We're going to go around the room and around the world wide web all the way out to Leo in beautiful downtown. Each highlight a horror <laughs> flick to each other and possibly even to you that we consider a must-see or perhaps worth a revisit, starting, as always, with Leo. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Have you guys seen a movie called The Crucifixion? No. no. Ah. Yeah, this one's from 2017. It's directed by a French director named Javier Gens, I believe. And it stars uh, Sophie Cookson, who plays Nicole Rollins, and... Cornelio Ulici plays Father Anton, and Guillermo del Toro's favorite, Javier Botet. You know, he plays a faceless man, all six six of him. This movie is about 
a possessed nun. This takes place in 2004 in Romania. A possessed nun is crucified by priests and dies after a failed exorcism. So an investigative reporter asks her newspaper editor boss to take the case and look deeper into the mysterious story. This is uh, overall an interesting take on a demonic possession film, much like how the exorcism of Emily Rose was told through courtroom drama. This one is told through the eyes of an investigative reporter trying to seek the truth as to what happened to the nun. As she uh, investigates the case and interviews witnesses, she learns quite a bit about the case along with some surprise revelations about the nun and those involved in the ritual. The movie sets up some interesting rules for demonic possession and why it chooses to possess someone or leave someone for that matter in a very like layman's kind of way, which I thought was really cool, really refreshing, something a little bit different. This film does have some really good jump scares. Some are set up with good misdirection and tense scenes and good buildup to them. Overall, the cinematography and, uh, Set locations are fantastic. There's a location where the initial exorcism takes place, which resembles the Abbey from The Nun. Ooh. I like that. I I like that. Yeah, I swear it's the same location. It looks just like it. Because I know there are movie studios right there in that location, right, that they do use. And I know that The Nun was, some of it was shot in those, you know, studios and stuff. But man, this one is well shot and with good pacing and good setup and... I highly recommend it. Check if you like uh, demonic possession movies. This one's something new, something different, and it's currently streaming on Shutter. It's 2017's The Crucifixion. Very cool. And uh, Javier Botet also in the Conjuring universe, playing the Crooked yes. Man in the Conjuring right. Two, and he was also the hobo in It. If you remember, oh. yeah, that strange hobo character outside the house with the, yeah. like, half his face sliding off. Yeah, that was yeah. creepy. Yeah. Nice Fun. find. We uh, will talk about something that we saw. It's part of this new series that Blumhouse is doing with Amazon TV called Welcome to the Blumhouse. They're bringing a collection of thrillers developed and produced with an emphasis on original genre storytelling. There's going to be eight films in all. The first four are The Lie, Black Box, Nocturne, and Evil Eye. So The Lie and Black Box, the time of release, are available right now. October 13th, we'll see the release of Nocturne and Evil Eye. So we're going to talk about one of those films we had the privilege of experiencing, and that would be The Lie, written and directed by Vina Sood, who is also responsible for Quibi's The Stranger with Dane yes. DeHaan and Micah Monroe that we all Yeah, that loved. was really yes. good. That was great. So good. And if you haven't seen The Stranger, definitely go grab it. You can go to Quibi.com, and they'll set you up with a free trial. You can check out the whole series of The Stranger Each episode is delivered in just under 10 minutes, and each one ends on a spectacular cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. You won't be able to stop. You'll watch, you'll binge the whole thing. It's incredible. That's what Quibi does with like all of its stuff. Like it finds the perfect spot, and you're like, oh, but it's only 10 more minutes. Like I can watch the next episode, and then before you know it, you've binged everything. Yeah. You're you're through, like, you basically (laughs) sat there for the length of an entire movie. Yeah, right, it's right. really, really cool. The Lie that we're going to talk about stars Mirai Enyos, Peter Sarsgaard, and Joey King. It's based on a film called We're Monster, written by Marcus Siebert and Sebastian Coe. It was a German film from 2015. The Lie premiered back in September of 2018 at TIFF out in Toronto. It was shot in Toronto as well. And it's about a couple's teenage daughter confesses to doing something very bad. 
And the film follows the family's reaction to this confession and the tangled web it weaves. We don't want to go too much into it because there's so many twists and turns. Lauren, what did you think of this thing? Yeah, it was a it was a tangled web. As a parent, anytime a child's involved, you have no choice but to relate and put yourself in the parent's shoes. And it's always a crappy place. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh right. shit. I thought a lot about like what would I do? How is this gonna end? Like, is it what I think? Is it not what I think? Is it something else? Like I thought that was really cool because I kept guessing, trying to guess where this was going and without giving too much away. It yeah. Led you down many paths. Yeah, it was it was full of misdirection. It was like what what I like to say with movies like this, it's a magic trick. Very much so. You know what I mean? Nice. Yeah. And yeah, then when yeah. it when it ends, you feel like, "Oh my god, I just you feel like you just saw magic." The same feeling you get when you're at like the magic castle. And you see a really right. good magician do a trick and you're like, "Oh, well, how they do that?" is how you'll feel right. when this movie ends. And at many points throughout the film, right? But the tension. Yeah. It's a tension ride. And I think this is something that Venus Sud has demonstrated that she can do beautifully. She did it on The Stranger. And she yeah. does it in this. And by making this one based on the family and like you're yeah. saying, what would you do for your family? How far would you go for your family? Yeah. And everyone would go damn far for their family. So okay. this film puts you in the driver's seat of just how far you would probably go and the repercussions of that. You feel like you're in trouble the whole time you're sitting there watching the movie, which is a really weird feeling. Like oh, you're yeah. si- you will sit there, Leo, and you will sit there and you'll go, man, I am in trouble. I don't remember why <laughs> I'm in trouble, but I, I'm in trouble for something. <laughs> the yeah. movie will make you feel like that. It's true. Oh, yeah. It's you can't a, shake it geez. until it's over. Really? But then after I was thinking about it, like before bed, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's horrible. Like what, what would I do? in this situation and yeah it was really good it it seemed really cold so that's right that was one thing i was actually noted when we were i was writing notes while watching it is that the stark set and i mean it's winter where it took place winter in toronto it had the perfect amount of coldness to offset the warmth that begins to rise between the characters and oh, wow. having it take place in the winter also adds to that effect. She creates this world where everything becomes intense. Even a doorbell becomes a weapon. You're even afraid of a doorbell. It becomes very similar to the feeling that we all had watching The Invisible Man from Lee Wanell, where he right. weaponized empty space and made that something you're afraid of. Vina d- does a lot of similar things on a totally different level though with the lie and it's great nice. to support women directors and i always like that damn right and peter sarsgaard and mirai Enos are our conscience in the film and they do a fantastic job as well yeah the acting was superb and joey king this is the first thing i've seen her uh, yeah, and you would show me what was that movie that she was in kissing the booth. kissing booth i started watching that yeah. After seeing that, and the kissing booth is awesome, and Joey's showing up in a bunch <laughs> yeah. of other stuff. She's a, doing a voice in the Creep Show animated special that's happening at the end oh, of this wow. month as well. Yeah, 
What else is she? She's doing some other horror stuff though too. I don't remember. I think she in Scream. You you want to put her in Scream so bad, but she's not. Not. No, you just you keep trying though. You because you've said said that a bunch of times. Yeah, and I'm like, no, no. Radio silence. Put Joey King in Scream. She'll do a great (laughs) job. No, she's not in Scream. See, not yet. (laughs) She's not Not fucking gonna be in it. She's in Slender Man, (laughs) which I haven't seen. I haven't seen Slender Man, but Javier Botet played Slender Man. Are you too scared to see Slender Man? That's right. Slender Man, that whole thing, man. That's a creepy story. It's too creepy for you. What else is she in? Um, the Conjuring. She's in the original yes, Conjuring. Yes, the original she Conjuring. Is. She's one of the kids. Yeah. Chris, Christine. Christine, right. yeah. But yeah, it is definitely something fun to check out. I mean, it's really hot over here. So when I watched this movie, it made me feel a little bit cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I've, I've, I hate the heat. And it's been... Like in the hundreds, and it's so gross. Meanwhile, someone's sitting here listening to this going, fuck you, it's freezing where I'm at. It's true. <laughs> right? It's true. Yeah. The grass is always greener right. on the yeah, other exactly, side. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so yeah, yeah, check out these these Welcome to the Blumhouse movies with Amazon Video. It's, I mean, it's off to a great start. That's all I'm saying. And, and, and I want to give a shout out to Leo, who's been helping our daughter with math. And I would be lost <laughs> without him. Because I'm not good at math, and I think Trevor, admit you're not good at math. You know I'm not good at math. <laughs> okay, I don't, but, I'm not admitting anything. So. But when Scarlett comes to me and says, Dad's going to help me well, with she my knows. math she knows I'm not homework. She knows I'm not good at math. Yeah. I used, to, I used to get my math test at school, write zero on the top, and then hand it back. That's how bad I was at math. <laughs> this am is at math. Trevor helping Scarlett. Oh, it's horrible. Alexa, I'm not lying either. Alexa. What is one and three fourths times nine and eight sixteenths? And Alexa's like, what the fuck? Like, if she could really talk, <laughs> she would be like, what is wrong with you? Oh, I cannot figure. So then he Googles and finds her math book. Hey, let's <laughs> just kidding. Um, this is his help. So I said, Scarlett. You cannot ask dad for help because even if he figures out the answer, somehow you can't explain how to get there. And Leo has been kind enough because he's smart enough to to help her. Thank you, Leo, for being so damn smart. Yes. And, And being good. She says that you are her favorite tutor. Well, thank you. Tell her says thank you. And it's my pleasure. Very, very nice. So here's a math question. What's four stars minus one? (laughs) Three stars, apparently. That's like Buku's in trouble there. This is what Power Punch 90 is referring to. (laughs) I promise. And for Power Punch 90, we're going to do better. We're going to end it right here and go into our chat with Bailey Sarian. Right now. Let's do it. We're going to get in trouble. Come on, hurry. Hi, guys. It's Bailey Sarian. Make good choices and listen to the Boo Crew. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy studio is an exceptionally talented makeup artist and creator who has become a phenomenon. She took a passion for makeup, her mastery of the craft, a remarkably engaging, hilarious, and kind personality, and combined it with her love of true crime and mysteries. Since 2019 on her YouTube channel, every Monday she recounts these stories with her murder mystery 
and makeup series. It has amassed millions of subscribers and views and has built this wonderful organic community of people who've all been brought together by our incredibly charming guest. Perhaps it's the way she is open and helpful, like the best friend you could ever have. Maybe it's the way she speaks almost through the camera like it wasn't ever there to begin with. She has this magical knack of making you feel included with a good dose of the macabre thrown in. We are honored to welcome Bailey Sarian. Yeah! What a great intro. I mean, that was just beautiful. <laughs> Can you do that every week? Wow, you made me pumped up to be me. Wow, well, you should be. You're incredible. And again, thank you so much for hanging out with us a bit today. Just to get it going, we know you're a walking true crime encyclopedia. Are you much of a horror movie fan yourself as well? Man, I feel like the older I get, the more and more I steer away from like the horror films, the slasher films. I go more towards like the psychological thrillers. I like it when they mess with my mind. And I like a movie that leaves me kind of like, what the fuck did I just watch? I love that. And I live for that. (laughs) So I find myself more like psychological thriller kind of girl. What are some of your favorites? I mean, I think like the, the one that I always, I can watch over and over again is the sixth sense, which when you think back to it, when it first came out, remember how like mind blowing that was? Mm -hmm. It was like, what? He was dead the whole time. (laughs) Spoiler. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Like, That one, I watched it again recently and I was like, it's still good. It's still good. But um, so that's a good one. I recently watched the Babadook. Yeah. Oh, my God. That one made me so uncomfortable, but in a good way, because it was just like, I don't know. It just made me want to rip my skin off in a way because it was so spooky and weird. And but I loved it. It was really good. Surprisingly, I thought it was going to be bad. Did you have a particularly favorite scene out of that movie that spooked you the most? Probably when like he was whoever the Baba Duke was when it was like first coming out of the room. I mean, that's kind of like, I don't know, just when you first start to like see what he looks like, it just sat with me and it made me so uncomfortable. (laughs) But the whole film. Yeah, I know. There's this one scene that I think of all the time when she's sitting on her couch and she's watching TV and then a newscast comes on. And I think it's a state, it's a murder news story. And then she sees herself in the window of the apartment looking at her. That's freaking anime. Oh my God. That that movie was just so uncomfortable. It was just like got under my skin. I don't know what it was, but it was good. Yeah. Have you gotten into like Midsommar or Hereditary? Have you seen those? We watched Hereditary, me and my fiance, and my fiance was like, he couldn't go to bed after that movie. Like, he was traumatized. I felt bad. <laughs> but I was just like, I was more irritated because I wanted more answers. I hate it. Like, don't give me, I need closure. <laughs> like, I just need it. And I felt like there were so many unanswered questions I had, which, I mean, some people live for that. So I respect it. Uh, Midsummer, I watched in. The whole time I was just more irritated because it was like, what are we doing? (laughs) What are we doing here? Just leave. Like your boyfriend is having an orgy. Like I'm confused. (laughs) So, I mean, like I respect it. I watch it. But usually at the end, I'm like, what the fuck was that? (laughs) Yeah, that's how I felt about those movies. At what age did you get into uh, murder and true crime cases? What was the case or story that did for you? 
So, I mean, when I was young, I remember being watching TV and the JonBenet Ramsey case was still like going on. It just picked up. And I remember just being fascinated by it because I think that was my first time understanding like, oh, you like you can die as a kid. It's not just something that happens when you get older. Like I didn't I didn't think that could happen. So it was kind of like, wait a minute. What is this? Like you can die when you're young. But also my mom was a 911 dispatcher and she would take me to work with her, which we laugh about it now. But at the time, it probably wasn't the best idea because I was like nine, 10 years old. But I would go and I would put on the headphones and I would just sit with her and listen to her answer 911 calls. And it was just fascinating to me, sadly, but. It was. It was just like people are just going through so much right now, this very second, and you're just not aware of it. And you're so far removed from it. It was just really intriguing. Over the years, have you uncovered cases in particular that were, I don't know, stood out to you as as far as things you were compelled by? I think um, Ed Gein is usually like the one who always sticks in my mind the most because he was so extreme. And I feel like I haven't come across a story similar to his at all. He was the one who was taking people's skin and he created like a whole costume, a full body costume out of people's skin. He sewed it together. He also was making lampshades, chairs. He was like getting really crafty. And I was like, this is just something I couldn't can't even compute. It's just so far opposite of anything that we know in our day to day lives, you know. So I just find it fascinating that how does someone's brain get to that point? Like, how does someone think this is the right thing to do to make this costume, you know, like cut up people's skin and make it into something? I find that fascinating. Do you think it's fascinating for people that buy like stuff from serial killers? Like, I think Zach Baggins just bought like a John Wayne Gacy painting today. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I I don't know. I have such mixed feelings on it because it's like, of course, you don't want to support this awful person. But sometimes you just are so fascinated by it that you kind of want it for yourself. I personally wouldn't buy anything that I can't think of anything that I would actually want to have in my home. But I can understand it. Like, I don't I don't really care what people do you're allowed to <laughs> you know but i don't know i just personally don't think i would like want to bring that into my home why do you think people are obsessed so much with true crime we love watching these stories as horrible as they are we we stay up all night on investigative discovery we we watch your show we watch you know we consume a lot of that stuff what is it do you think i think it's just us as humans want to know how to like protect ourselves from the bad, whatever that is. So we're always fascinated about what can happen. What do we look out for? What can I do to make sure this doesn't happen to me is what I think it is. For me personally, I find the brain fascinating. Like, again, how does somebody's brain go from like to me? It's like, I'm going to make some coffee today, have some breakfast. Meanwhile, someone else is like, I'm going to chop up a body today. I got to bury it somewhere like It's just fascinating to me how our brains work. I find that the most fascinating of all. How did the idea come to you to talk about true crime and makeup together? 
Um, I was heavily invested in the Chris Watts case. I don't know if any of you followed that. Sorry. Um, so I just would stay up all night researching and trying to put the pieces together for, I don't know. I thought I could solve it. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but I had all of this knowledge, all this built up knowledge on this case, but nobody to talk to about it with because no one in my family is really interested in it like I am. So I was like, I'm just going to make a video talking about everything I learned and just apply my makeup since I do makeup on my YouTube. I thought it kind of makes sense. And I just did it. And uploaded it thinking maybe a couple people will be really interested in this and like appreciate just all the knowledge I shared. <laughs> but then it just turned into something so much bigger. And I was like, wait, I think I'm onto something here. Like, I think more people are interested in true crime like I am. And then they also like the makeup. So maybe I should try it again. So then I just tried it again and it was the same response. And I was like, OK, let me try it again. And I just kept going. And then next thing you know, it just blew up into something that I never expected. I never expected any of this. It's crazy. How long does it take to uh, research and execute the recording and post-production process of each episode? So normally I spend like one to two days researching. And then I type up a script is what I call it, where it's just the whole story from start to finish. After that, I spend about four to five hours filming um, behind the scenes. I mess up a lot. I know the end result. It looks like I did it flawlessly, but behind the scenes is a hot mess. Um, <laughs> I struggle a lot, but um, so after that, then I edit usually the next day, which takes me six to eight hours, depending on how much footage there is. And then you get the the finished video. So it's, it's a lengthy process, but I enjoy researching the most. It's just fun going down rabbit holes. So wait, so you script it out and then you, you're filming in front of the camera. How much of those, because a lot of the stuff that, that comes across has a very loose improv feel. There's different things that you bring to it that gives it that real natural feel. Are those parts scripted as well? Or do you just kind of, are you reading the script while you're doing it? Or are you just kind of going off by memory at that point? So I usually have like the printed script in front of me that I reference. And that is just the straight story. All of like the commentary and stuff that I add is just kind of like my own reaction to whatever it is I said. So that part's not scripted. It's more, I just try to go for having a true conversation with a friend and adding in the commentary that we're all thinking. I'm just saying it, you know? <laughs> Did you ever want to be a investigator with crime or be a attorney or have anything to do with that? Yeah, I really wanted to get, well, first I wanted to be a psychologist because I'm obsessed with just the brain and how we all think. But then I was thinking I could be a forensic psychologist, but I, it changed. It literally changes all the time. Cause still to this day, I'm like, now I want to be a judge. I would love to be a judge. I feel like we need more good judges out there. Or I would love to be like a detective. But I guess what steers me away from it is one, I did terrible in school. I <laughs> am terrible in school. And two, to be a judge or a detective, you have to like get voted in. And I don't like the idea of that. So I'm always like, nah, I'll just stay over here and in my lane, <laughs> which is dumb. Like I should just go to school and do it. But I keep talking myself out of it. I think you could do it. I know. I, I think I could too. I just, I know how I am when it comes to school and I am the worst. My self-discipline is non-existent. <laughs> I'm curious, are there any cases in particular that 
your fans have written you about asking you to cover that you haven't had an opportunity to cover yet? I get asked a lot to do H.H. Holmes. All the time I get asked to do that story. I guess what steers me away from it is I haven't deep dived into that story fully, but from my understanding, there are a lot of kids involved. And I try not to do stories where there's a lot of kids involved. I just feel like they're, I feel really gross doing my makeup and talking about like kids getting raped and murdered. Like it just doesn't feel right. (laughs) So I try and stay away from anything that involves too many kids. I just feel like it doesn't, it just doesn't sit right with me. On that note, you had said there was a time where you had to take a break from researching true crime and that it was affecting you. Are you back to researching it? Oh yeah. 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 I still research all the time. I just am obsessed with true crime. I can't stop. But I kind of caught myself because this year's just been really hard for everybody. <laughs> and I had a couple deaths in the family and it was just kind of like I needed a break. I just needed to like chill out, take a minute to breathe and then come back and get back on a normal schedule. But then I just kind of realized I need to prevent burnouts from happening as well. So I started to try out like uploading three videos each week And then I'm sorry, three videos in a row and then skipping the fourth. Um, That way I can have one week where it's like my break week and then three and then skip. And I think that's actually working out quite nicely because like I don't want to stop, but I also don't want to get burnt out. Like I really enjoy doing what I do, but it does affect you. And anyone who says otherwise is a liar. The Boo Crew will be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. First, there was Halloween. The Nibie came home. Then, the terror continued with Halloween 2. And now, prepare yourself. Universal Pictures presents the all-new Halloween 3. Season of the Witch. The night no one comes home. Happy Halloween. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without parent. What do you think it is about the way you talk into the camera that makes the viewer hooked on watching you and listening to the true crime story? And I ask that because I feel like there's a certain, there's a certain psychology to it. Because, I mean, it's like, I would not watch his tutorial on makeup at all, you know, because it's not, you know, I'm not your demo for that. But the way you tell the story is so engaging and it sucks me in. I'm like, okay, next video, next video, next video, next thing you know, it's like 5 a.m., you know? Yeah. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Everybody always tells me that. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just being myself and just having a conversation. And I think I'm not trying to be proper. Like I'm not a journalist. I'm just Bailey. So it's like, hey, we're just going to have a conversation. I'm going to tell you what I learned. And I'm also going to tell you what I think. Like, you know, like call out the bullshit. 
And I'll end it at that. And you let me know what you think down below. And like, that's just how it is. I think when people are coming off very proper and like a journalist, I respect it because that's hard, but you're losing that connection with just being a normal human, just having a discussion. Is there any cases that you've had the opportunity to discuss that are particularly interesting to you? I guess like recently I did the Grant Amato case. Have you guys heard that story? No, I haven't. It's about this like very privileged young man who came from a wealthy family out in Florida, I believe. And this was recently, like 2018. And he ended up murdering his whole family all for a girl that he fell in love with online. Yes. And he was sending hundreds of thousands of dollars to this girl. She was just like a video... I don't know what you call them, like what their proper name is, but the video girls. And he would just talk with her almost every night. He was like obsessed with her, sending her hundreds of thousands of dollars. He took his parents' money, everything, and was giving it to this girl. Finally, his parents caught on and then he murders them all, claims he's innocent and is still like just recently last week, he's still trying to like get out of, I believe he's spending life in prison and he's trying to fight that pretty much. And it's just like unbelievable that he truly thinks he's going to get away with it. Yeah. That's one of those things I think with true crime is that when you go through that that process of like what you were saying earlier, someone wakes up and goes, Oh, I'm going to chop someone up today and do this. The fact that somehow there's not that voice in their head that says, even though you want to do this bad shit, crazy stuff, you're going to get caught. No one gets away with this. I know, there, it and they always, always ends badly for you, you know? I know. And it's like nobody will rarely do people get away with it. Right. It's like, what do you think? What do you think should happen? Like, why do you think this is so unfair? You killed your whole family. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And then like, uh, you know, wanting to live a life where you're always looking behind your so- shoulder, waiting for your eventual capture, unless that's what these people like. Really? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it is fascinating. It really is. I know it's truly, it's so confusing. It's just like, I want to understand, but I don't think I'm ever going to understand. I don't think we ever are. It's just how it is. Have you ever gone so far as to visit locations of things, uh, you know, uh, on many of your travels and, and to see locations where things have occurred or people have been arrested or anything like that? No, not yet. I would like to do like a little cross country road trip or something and kind of go see some places, but not yet. The, you know, what's crazy is that, you know, we're out here in Burbank and I just realized I drive by this place every day. It's kind of a dingy looking motel. Looks like it's been around forever. And I looked it up and I've realized that that's where they arrested Lawrence Bitteker from oh. the toolbox murders right yeah, down, the, right yeah. down the street. That case. Yeah. And you've discussed that case. Probably one of the most horrifying true crime cases I think I could ever imagine that that, that was yeah. insane right and like la is filled with that's where they all the killers serial killers ended up somehow in california usually it's like they always end up in la and there's so many places out there that are just bad shit went down <laughs> it's just like negative energy everywhere but it's funny like my mom used she grew up in uh, like Venice Beach area when uh, the Night Stalker was going around. And she said like how everybody was just so scared that he was going to come by. And I guess he had the Night Stalker had broken into a house near my mom's house 
And she was like, ah, whatever. Like, just kind of like nonchalant about it. Like, yeah, it happens. <laughs> and I'm like, mom, like, weren't you afraid? She's like, no, it is what it is. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like Los Angeles is filled with just so many stories about serial killers ending up out there somewhere. Well, didn't a lot of serial killers stay at the Cecil Hotel, right? That was their like. Yeah, Cecil Hotel's jam. like, yeah, like a we got a weird homing beacon on it, right? For these stories. Yeah, that's what I've, I haven't like done a deep dive fully on that hotel, but I know like there was a couple. I believe the Night Stalker stayed there. Yes, I think so too. Yes, that was yes. the story. Yeah. The interesting thing about the uh, Night Stalker is that we, we had Robert Souza, who's the detective who worked on um, the Laurel Canyon murders uh, back in the day. And he told us a really interesting fact about the Night Stalker was that once they captured Richard Ramirez, that that was the end of an era of the serial killers for L.A. So like after really? that, yeah we, yeah, we didn't really see a serial killer for, for a long time. I mean, until they caught, what is it, the Golden State uh, killer recently, right? Why do you think that is? I wanted to kind of correlate and tie it into the certain types of drugs that were being used in the 70s and 80s versus the types that are being used today. Like back in the day, all that stuff, all that hard stuff was pushing these people to do crazy things. Like not just murder, like let's just butcher somebody to death, you know, where today yeah. it's more like, hey, let's just take heroin and put you in a vegetative state. You know, so I, I don't know if there's a correlation to the types of drugs like cocaine versus PCP or heroin versus, you know, angel dust or, you know, whatever was done back in the day. But I don't know. It's, it's really interesting that once they caught him, it was kind of like the end of an era. Yeah, I guess you're right. Huh? I never really thought about that, but. That's true. That's really interesting. I know I always ask my parents, like, how did you guys make it out of the 70s and 80s alive? Because there were so many cults. There were so many serial killers, like in Southern California. Like, how'd you guys do it? <laughs> I don't know. I know. I was going to ask if you believe in the paranormal and if you've had any paranormal experiences. Yes. And I'm always like, I still still have mixed feelings on it because... I don't know. Like you still, you don't want to believe, but at the same time I do believe, but um, at the last two apartments ago in Los Angeles, we, the apartment we were living in was just weird. There was just a dark, heavy feeling as soon as you walked in the door. And when you were in the apartment, you just had this feeling of dread, depression. It, it was just heavy, whatever it was. So I actually did get in contact with some um, like mediums, someone to come in and talk to the ghosts and see if there's anything there. So they come out and they talked to, well, they, they found out there was like two people in our apartment. One was like a, a guy who was gay and he killed himself in the bathroom because his parents found out he was gay. They were unhappy that he was gay. So he hung himself in the apartment bathroom. And then there was a older woman down in the kitchen who just lived there all her life and she died of a heart attack. So she was hanging out down there. And I believed it because upstairs, like things would just knock over and fall. Things just didn't make sense. Like things would happen that just didn't make sense. And at first I was like, no, this it's not a ghost. I just knocked it over or something. It's the wind or just trying to find any excuse I, I could, but I couldn't ignore that feeling that you got when you walked into the apartment. Cause as soon as you left great day, but as soon as you walked in, it was just heavy. And like, you can't 
describe that to people who haven't experienced it. So before we moved into that apartment, I was like, yeah, they could be real. I don't know. And afterwards, I was like, okay, I think I think they're real. (laughs) I think they're real. I think you should do a paranormal series like makeup and paranormal stories. Yeah, I thought I've done like a couple on like exorcisms and stuff, but I guess it's hard because it's one of those things. If you believe, then the story hits differently than someone who's like, it's fake. This is fake. You know, where true crime, it's like you can't ignore the facts. Yeah, yeah. On that tip, is there a particular video that you noticed has become your most talked about or most popular? The most popular is the Jeffrey Dahmer video, which is surprising because I was so hesitant to do it. I felt like this story has been told a million times. What can I add that's different? You know, like I didn't even want to do it. But finally, I was like, "Okay, I'll do it. You guys stop asking. So I did it. And of course, it's still my number one video. It performed the best. And then after that would be like the Grant Amato case. The story I told you about the guy who killed his whole family. And then after that is like the toy box So kind of like a mix, two serial killers and just the random guy who killed his whole family. There's one that I actually recently saw that was inspired by a horror movie series, The Scream Murders. Oh, yeah. I didn't even know that was that that happened. Oh, man. I did that video. When was what was the name of? Oh, I'm drawing a blank. What was her name? The poor girl or the guy's name, but the two boys. Yeah, they were uh, they, they put on the masks and they there was a group of kids and their friends had come over and said, oh, we're going to the movies. And they left, but they actually actually broke back into the house and hid in the basement. Yeah. And they taped it and they're like, oh, my God, we did it. Like what dumbasses? How stupid. Please. I was wondering, like, when you started this channel. What was the initial response by your family and friends like when they started when you started this YouTube channel doing two crime and makeup? Like, what was their initial response in terms of you know your storytelling and what you were sharing with people? I don't think I really even told anybody what I was doing except for my fiance, and he was like, "Oh, that's weird." <laughs> but I didn't really tell anyone because I don't know. I just get so embarrassed when my family and stuff watches my videos. I don't know why, but I just do. But now they're they're proud. They're like, you finally, you know, did something with all this true crime knowledge. Like, that's great. Now you have an outlet. Go. (laughs) (laughs) I would always go to them like, oh, my God, did you hear about this case? Oh, my God, let me tell you. And they're just sick of it. So I think they're happy that I have an outlet now. Sure, sure. (laughs) You know, I'm wondering wondering if the uh, if the the Los Feliz murder house ever came up in conversation or a recommendation. Yeah. So I was about to actually do that story before because I just recently left L.A. I moved out of L.A., but we had driven by the house a couple of times and I was going to do the story. But I don't know. I kind of notice a pattern on my YouTube, like the videos that perform more are serial killers or anything that has to do with cannibals. And I just felt like the Los Feliz murders was not this is sad to say, but it wasn't extreme enough for my viewers. You know, like sometimes it's sad. I'll do like a very simple story where it's like husband kills wife or something. And people are like, I'm bored. This story was boring. And it makes me sad because it's like, hello, I'm sorry. This person didn't die exciting for you. Like, sorry about that. But I feel like we are also becoming just desensitized to murder in general. So I'm kind of adding to the problem as well. So it's like trying to find a balance. 
It's interesting about that Los Feliz house murder for anyone who isn't familiar with the story. Leo, can you like basically just recount like what that house is when you drive by it? I guess it's been purchased now, but right before that, what it was a testament to. Yeah, I mean, it was a home where I believe a physician lived with his wife and his daughter. I believe she was 18. And if I'm not mistaken, she probably went to my high school because that's that area where I grew up and I went to high school as well. So she probably went to my high school. But I guess what happened was right around Christmas, I don't know if it was actually Christmas Eve or right around there, the father came home and the story is that he murdered his wife and I guess he attempted to murder his daughter but wasn't successful. But then he he like did something very crazy like uh, consumed vast amounts of acid or something and killed himself. And I guess once he died and, you know, obviously his wife died and I don't know what happened to the daughter. That's unclear. But the house was left as is and they left. I mean, obviously they're dead, but the daughter left and whoever took over the house next to the kin or family, whatever, like never bothered to step in the property or do anything with it. In fact, if you look like 30, 40, 50 years, 60 years later, it's like it was in some kind of time capsule or whatever. Yeah, capsule. It was just kind of like the Christmas tree was still up. Presents were still there, like wrapped up and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's so weird. It's like one of those things where nobody bothered to go in there and do anything to it. And there's all these crazy stories that they say, you know, it's haunted, it's cursed. And there's all these accounts of people that try to go up to the windows, or at least they used to try. I think it's not, and now it's been, I don't know if it's renovated or, you know, it's, it's been sold and all that. But all, all these stories that they would try to go in and everybody who had a story about going up to the house got injured. Like mm. somebody was bit by a black widow. Or what? like somebody tripped and cut themselves with glass or something like everybody had a crazy story and they're like yeah it's way too fucking crazy and haunted like just stay away you know oh my gosh yeah we we, because they had an open house about a year ago i want to say because they were trying to sell the house again and i was trying to go to the open house because i was like i want to go inside and like see what it's all about they had completely gutted it so it's like a completely different house now and i think i think it's sold but it's completely different but I wanted to see when the, all the presents in the tree and everything was still set up. Like, that must have been so creepy. Gosh. Yeah, there's, there's some... I don't know who the blogger is. There's a good, like, blog online where you can see the actual photos. And it's so disturbing because you see just, you know, layers of dust on everything. And it's so creepy. It's just like, I can't believe that stood that way for 60 years, you know? Yeah, everything on the night of the crime had stayed yeah. the same. That's crazy. Right? It's like a picture of that horrible night. It's fascinating. Unbelievable. You were saying that people really gravitate towards those like cannibal cases and things like that. There was one that you talked about in particular where a guy claims that after his crimes, he opened a pit beef sandwich stand roadside and he was selling sandwiches that is believed to have. Exactly. But they don't know because people ate the evidence and it's like, oh, shit. Even if he was lying, can you believe like what kind of mind fuck that would give you? Like, I hate one of those. Oh, my gosh. Like, that's awful because now you're just ruining everyone else's lives who ate your hamburgers. I would never I would be vegan after that for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Have you gotten into special effects makeup? Is that something that you can do? I started to a little bit and then I just kind of backed off of it because it's sad to say, but it's like a dying job, you know, like nobody really uses it in movies anymore. It's all CGI. It sucks because it's awful. Like it doesn't even look good. 
for the most part. And I feel like um, special effects makeup is if it's done right, it's incredible and looks realistic. I really wanted to get into it. But when I looked long term, it's like it's kind of dying, you know, like what kind of there really aren't that many jobs for it. Yeah. I mean, even Rick Baker closed up his big, beautiful shop and auctioned off everything a few years back on that tip. Are there any movies or anything that exemplify great use of of makeup that you saw? I'm just like, oh, my God, this is awesome. I mean, anything that Rick Baker does. What was that? American uh, Werewolf. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Talk about the origins of uh, the hilarious theme song that you start your videos with. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like a calling now. Sometimes um, when I'm out in public, someone will just be like, Shana Shara. And I'm like, shut the bar. That was like but, the Elvis entry song. Wasn't didn't Elvis used to come out to that? Yes. Thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, okay. When I first started my murder mystery and makeup, you kind of see it progress. Like at first I was just so awkward because I didn't know yet. Like it just felt weird. Like, hey guys, I'm gonna do my makeup and talk about murder. Okay, like it just, I didn't have like an intro yet. I didn't know what I was doing. And I felt like people were still kind of seeing it as I'm inappropriate. I'm the bad guy. So I was just trying to play it safe. So I was like, I need like a theme song or something to kind of like lighten this up. So I just started Shana Shine and it just kind of turned into the Shana <laughs> It's like a mixture of um, Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie from The Simple Life. They, um, did Sanasha, but it's also like a mix of Elvis and like, yeah. And nobody ever gets that. They're always like, it's from Paris Hilton and whatnot. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. But it's Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should come out with the cape, right? And everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 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 <laughs> it's time for the show. <laughs> so on that as well, you developed this dialogue with, with your fans of things like Shana Shah, right? All these inside jokes and, and ways of communicating. One of those is suspicious, right? And you've got it on all your merch and Aqua Tafana, which people love to hear you whisper in the show. How do those things come up? Do those just grow organically? Yeah, it's just kind of one of those things that catches on that I say and I don't realize it's going to be a thing until the comment section. And then people like will point out something that I said that was funny and then it turns into something bigger. Like with Aqua Tafana, I mean, that was from the Julia Tofana story that I did. Um, She killed six, like up to 600 men. Um, in Rome between like 1630 and 1651. So she was trying to help women get out of abusive marriages that they were in and they couldn't. So she was giving them this poison that they would slip into their husband's dinner or drink and they would just get more and more sick and then they would die and put, uh, not police, um, doctors at the time couldn't like trace it. They had no idea what was killing them. And eventually she got caught but yeah, it was just Aqua Tafana just kind of caught on. I started whispering it like Aqua Tafana and it just grew. So it's I mean, it's a fascinating story because it's like, is she the bad guy? I mean, you know, like she was helping these women who really couldn't get out unless they died. So it was kind of like she's kind of a hero in a way. But then, of course, she killed people. So it's like, you know. Your sign-off includes make good choices, 
What made you decide to end with that sentence? So in almost every single one of my videos, even before I started doing Murder Mystery and Makeup Mondays, I always say make good choices. It's something I think it was my ninth grade math teacher who used to say it to us every single day. And us being bratty teenagers, we would make fun of it and be like, make good choices. choices." And we started saying it to each other like between me and my friends. We just kind of say it as a joke, like mocking her in a way. But then as I got older, I started saying it more and more like to my dad or my mom, like when they were leaving the house, like make good choices. And it just stuck. And it's something that I say all the time, like when I'm leaving a room, make a choices, have a good day. And I don't it's so dumb, but like you laugh at it, but it sticks and you will probably start saying it, too. No, I I say that to my kids. I have four kids and a lot of them don't make the best choices. (laughs) So I'm constantly reminding them, well, this is why you're not having dessert. You made poor choices. You need to think about the things that you do. And when you said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's like the theme in this house. So I love it. And like they think it's so dumb in the moment. But I swear, once they get older, they're going to be like me. My mom used to tell me make good choices or, you know, just like something that sticks with them. And yeah, you're going to make bad choices. That's life. That's being a human. But you can try and make good choices. <laughs> exactly. As long as you're trying. As long as you're trying. Yeah. <laughs> all that matters. So your work and your channel has brought along some fantastic opportunities and collabs with makeup companies. I was wondering if you could talk about some of them, including this new Venice fling you've got going with Epsi and Estate. Oh, yeah. So I did a palette with um, Ipsy and Estate Cosmetics. It's called the Venice fling palette. I agreed to do that palette for the Ipsy Glam Bag. This was like a year ago when my murder mystery and makeup videos first started taking off. So I had no idea that a year later when the palette was going to be released, that I would be in a completely different place. (laughs) Literally, it kind of... I love the palette, but at the same time to a lot of my viewers, they're like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, where's the murder? Like, they're all set. Like, where's the murder? And I'm like, no, just hear me out. A year ago, it made sense. Now I would have done it differently, but the palette's beautiful regardless. So the feedback has been great. And then I did um, collab with Loud Lacquer for a nail polish collection. And we did the Murder Mystery and Manny collection. So it's four different nail polishes um, that I got to help create with the company, uh, Loud Lacquer. And that went really well. And we're working on another release, which should be happening in October with Loud Lacquer as well. That's exciting. Oh, awesome. And I love your merch. It's so awesome. Like the hoodie with the make good choices, all that stuff is just so awesome. Is that something that you work on yourself or do you have a team who you collaborate with? How does that work? Yeah, so I work with a company called Merch Labs, and they have like an in-house creator type of guy who helps put together the designs. Um, so I sit down with him and throw out a bunch of ideas, and we just work together, collab, and come up with a design. There's been a couple of pieces where my fiance, because he's a tattoo artist and a graffiti artist, so he's helped me out a couple of times with the designs as well. And yeah, it's been fun. I mean, it's like 100% my ideas and my designs. I want to make stuff that I would actually wear and not just pieces that had my name or something all over it or said like Bailey and that's it. I wanted stuff that I could wear as well um, and not 
feel like stupid, like I'm wearing my own face or something, you know, but also I wanted people who maybe don't know who I am or don't watch my videos. I wanted them to see it and be like, oh, that's cool. I want that. So that's was my whole thought process behind the merch. And it's really cool that people like my designs. Just seeing people wear something I created is amazing. It's cool. Once it's safe to attend live performances again, is there any interest in on your part to bring your show live in front of an audience? Oh my gosh. I've thought about that a couple of times and it's kind of terrifying <laughs> because again, like when I film my videos behind the scenes, it's a mess. Like I mess up a lot. I stumble. My words are all mushed together. I stutter. And it's like doing that in front of a live audience terrifies me. Like, <laughs> But I would love to do just something like I would love to meet my audience and do meet and greets or I'm sure I could figure something out to make it work, but I would love to. I would love to actually see the people who watch my videos. I definitely yeah, think you could yeah. do it. You just like memorize like a few cases and then just go with it. I guess if I if I really tried, I could. I get so nervous, though, because I think a lot of the times people think like YouTubers are extroverts because we're just talking and it's like the camera's not even there. But when you really think about it, like I'm alone in my room talking to myself, essentially, you know, like everything I do is alone. So being in front of a large like audience kind of freaks me out. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> What's next for uh, murder mystery and makeup? Is there any interest in bringing the show to a streaming platform or a series or a cable channel perhaps? Yeah. Um, I, there's definitely been some interest, but I guess the, the thing that I'm thinking about is if it does go to a streaming service, let's say, and it becomes like a show, what would that look like? Because I feel like what I do on YouTube, it may not work as a TV show or something, you know? So trying to think of what I would want that to look like, but there's definitely been some interest, which is crazy. I'm blown away that again, this has turned into something so much bigger, but I mean, we'll see. I, I don't knock on wood, knock on wood. I hope it works out, <laughs> you know, but for now I'm just, doing what I do and kind of seeing where it takes me. What does a typical Halloween look like for you? Do you do haunted houses, haunted hayrides? Do you just hand out candy? Do you get dressed up in a costume or do you have a chill night at home? I used to be obsessed with going to all of the haunted houses. I loved that. But again, as I get older, I feel like my chat, my heart, it can't handle the pop outs and stuff like I can't breathe. <laughs> I think it was last year or the year before that I did Universal. I went to Universal. And of course, like I was in the front. There was like a big gap and people were just popping out. And I was like, I can't breathe. Like, <laughs> this is different. I can't breathe. It was just too much. So um, I just I don't know, like this year, we'll see what happens. It's kind of sad because I don't even know if there's going to be trick or treaters and stuff. But I wanted to just go all out and decorate the front of the house with like a little shop of horrors theme. I want to get like, yeah, I want to get like Audrey two big one, maybe paper mache, put that out front. Maybe I could get inside and like scare kids. Like I would love to do that. I would love to be the house that's known for like, they have a great haunted house or something. 
While you were out here, did you ever get to do Delusion? It's What's like, that? Oh, oh, it's so fun. It's a haunted play. Do you want to explain it more? Yeah, basically, it's a haunted play put on by the stunt team behind movies like The Dark Knight and things like that. So this Hollywood stunt team will take a historic L.A. building, rig it out on the inside, write a play based around that location and bring in a small group of like 10 to 12 people. And there's a complete score that starts when you walk in the house and you're interacting with actors who are working off a script, but you're included in that script. So you have to do things in order to move the story along in that process. They'll break up your group and you go with certain different actors. You see different versions of this one story and then you all come back together at the end. It's it's a beautiful experience, actually. It's really, really scary and not a lot of, you know, jump scary kind of thing. It's just like beautifully dark, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like you hide under a bed and then all of a sudden it levitates. Yeah. Like and you're like, in a horror movie. Like it, people, you'll yeah. be talking to someone and they'll be pulled up out of the room and you're like, where did they go? Like <laughs> what so just happened? Cool. What? Yeah. What? I never heard of this. Yeah. What's it called? Delusion. Yeah. yeah. And they've been doing it for a number of years. Obviously this year is just a you know, weird year, right? We don't know yeah. what the heck's going on. The last I heard is that they're doing... A lot of places are doing trick or treating with um, like you drive by and people hold poles with candy for your kids into the car. It's, it's sad, but, you know, Boring. innovation, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to look up that delusion thing. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's really are they cool. allowed to touch you? No, no, they can't touch you. They still got all those. Well, actually, you know what? They they can't. You're they not can. allowed to touch they them, can. but they right. can touch you. But there's nothing like there's no pushing or anything. They're just like guiding you around yeah, and things right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. But no one's coming up and like shoving. No. no Leo, did all. you get stuck in a coffin? Leo, were you in the coffin? I don't remember. I did. OK. Yeah. I got locked one time in the coffin. I mean, luckily, I'm not claustrophobic, but it was a little creepy because it took forever to get rescued. <laughs> right. <laughs> so cool, though. Oh my, oh, my God. Yeah. I had to climb in a coffin and take a key <laughs> off of skeleton's neck to open a door. Maybe, maybe I don't like this. I'm <laughs> I think you, for some reason, I, I think you love it. <laughs> We're making yeah. it like sound way scarier, but I'm claustrophobic. So, you know, I'll kind of give them the heads up like I'm claustrophobic. And I think they take that in account. Yeah. I mean, you can't even barely go in an elevator, let alone. <laughs> I'm trying to look cool. Okay. Sorry. The elevator's too small. I totally get it. I'm like, when can I get out? When? Yeah. <laughs> Especially when there's lots of people in there. I just not having oh, it. Oh, yeah. Bailey, thank you again so much for yes, doing this with you. us. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. That was the Boo Crew Podcast episode 163. Special thanks to our guest, Bailey Sarian. Follow her at Bailey Sarian on Instagram and Twitter and watch her captivating and addicting murder mystery and makeup videos by finding her on YouTube. If you like this conversation, check out episode 115 with former LAPD homicide detective Robert Souza and episode 90 with true crime-inspired musician and singer Skinned. Production tracks for this episode provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. 
Bloody Disgusting.com slash podcasts.